Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flaps, we eagerly await for the ball to drop in Times Square, sending the misery of 2020 packing and ushering in the promise of hopefully a less shitty year. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the 90th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, in our final episode of the Hops and Holiday Flops series, we're each offering up our New Year's resolutions because it's 2011's hammy, stunt-casting mess, New Year's Eve. Before we begin, let's all pour ourselves a glass of some fine bubbly. It is tradition after all. And that said, along with me are Captain Cash. Happy new fucking I hate this movie. The uh, pod's resident Bon Jovi superfan, Chumzilla. I'm a sandwich. Listen, I want you to respect his decision. It is his life. He's going to do it his way always on a bed of roses if necessary. What I'm trying to say is, Chumzilla, I will be there for you and have a nice day. If life's a highway, I want to ride it all night long. No, no. Different highway, but yours is like an open one. And fuck Bon Jovi. I think, if anything, we've just revealed here that you, the Thunderous Wizard, are the actual Bon Jovi super fan. Oh, no, no. Chumzilla couldn't even come up with a song there. I'm a Bon Jovi super hater, but we will get to that, listeners. He's essentially the 80s rock version of Steven Seagal, and he probably has also shit his pants. I can't prove that. I just know it's true. Listen, those of us who have not shit their pants throw the first diaper. (laughs) A wise man once told me, if a man tells you he's never shit his pants, he's a goddamn liar. And uh, lastly, along with us, is uh, Jessica Biel's pregnancy pants, Mayor McCheese. I've seen this movie. I know I've seen this. I've seen this movie before. This movie's been done before, right? This this isn't new. What is this? Oh, it's a it's like a vortex of every bad rom com ever. It sucks. It was like when you're at a meat packing plant and somebody's arm gets cut off and they package the steak anyways. That's this movie. <laughs> it's I mean, this, but in rom com form. Yeah. So you're saying this is like an OSHA and FDA violation yeah i mean not only is it not good it's not even a new idea <laughs> no it's not i hate this movie uh <laughs> we're, we're well, I, gonna... and i hate i hate you for picking this movie listen yeah it's... i have serious questions here thunderous wizard how did you become aware of this film because it was not even part of my uh reality until you introduced it to us and i'm like well what oh, yeah, is I this didn't... Well, I didn't know this existed until he was like, we're doing New Year's Eve. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I thought this was going to be like a Seth Rogen movie with a bunch of the bros and James Franco. Like, I didn't know what this was. And now that I do, I am uh, less sad. Listen, mm-hmm. there, is a, there is a story behind it, how I came to discover this movie. Uh, my wife and I's first Thanksgiving, it was like dating. She, she came home with me. 
and uh, it was just uh, her, her and I, and my sister and her future husband, and we're like, oh, we're gonna watch a movie. She's like, well, I just saw this great movie, New Year's Eve. We should all watch. It. <laughs> and you still decided to marry her? And then she fell asleep during the movie and woke up, and we're like, what in God's name was that? <laughs> Oh my god, she punked you. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna put this on anyway. Yeah. Jokes like, on I, you, I'm taking a nap. So I don't know I don't know if I wanna dislike her for recommending this movie or like her even more for getting you guys to start watching it and <laughs> she fell asleep and then you guys just sat through it. Yeah. So then we, we bought the movie. Maybe it gets poster. better, I don't know. Yeah, we bought the movie poster for it at like a local shop in Ocean Beach, San Diego, and I gave it to my sister. As like a joke, they never put it up. <laughs> Damn shame! You know yeah. what? We should make it our our life's goal to get everyone from that movie to sign this yeah. fucking poster. Oh it would God. take a long time. That would like it would be worth the payoff. That would Look, take a all long I want to say time. is Nutcracker in the Four Realms doesn't seem so bad now, does it? No, it still well, seems all terrible. I wanna, <laughs> all, all I want to say is if that posters not the prize for today's quiz i'm quitting this pod right now well i got good news for you because it's not being used uh so let's get to our points of order you can find the show on twitter facebook and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself at writer tlk when captain cash uh when you're not dancing the night away at ritzy record label parties where can they find you you oh you mean when i'm a sandwich yeah for all my non-sandwich-related activities, find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Uh, Chumzilla, when you're not driving around on a Vespa with a uh, spinster Michelle Pfeiffer, where can they find you? Oh, man, how could how do I not to get... I want to be Zac Efron. He has the best fucking arc in this whole thing. Don't, don't we all? Yeah, so the, <clears throat> with that caveat, I guess you can find me on Tuesdays and Thursday nights on Twitter at Chumzilla8. And uh, Mayor McCheese, when you're not uh, hiding in uh, the luggage compartment of uh, Bon Jovi's touring bus, where can they find you? My side job is also fixing the ball, but I am on Twitter at HBOF McCheese. We got. We're going to talk about uh, how they turned Hector Elizondo into a Russian guy, but that's coming. <laughs> uh, so this movie is available to stream on HBO Max. Uh, your New Year's resolution, folks, should probably just be to listen to us make fun of it rather than suffer through it. There's not a lot of redeeming material here, and I think we're going to have a lot of better points to make. It's just my guess. Uh, but if you do decide to watch it, in addition to a toast of champagne, which will be necessary, we're also drinking Stone's Enjoy By January 1st, 2021, which is an unfiltered IPA with a 9.4% ABV. This is a potent one, but it is a very good beer. And uh, you're, the clock's ticking. If you want to enjoy it, I'm going to post this to the social. <laughs> Go uh, out you'll have it. to drink it by today. Yeah. But listen, you're going to need all nine of those ABVs to make it through this fucking thing. Cheers. <laughs> so, cheers indeed. Uh, how many... <laughs> Bad movies would you be willing to sit through whilst drinking it? I would say because it's a 9.4. I like it. I, it's a really good IPA, but man, that's going to that's gonna wreck me worse than uh, 
every storyline in this movie wrecked me to the point where I wanted to kick my TV off a cliff. So yeah, two not, movies. not wrecked your emotional intelligence, just wrecked your intelligence. Yes. That you had to watch it. Um, it's a nine, so automatically that's at least one movie for me. Anything that you're willing to juice to 9%. Uh, but yeah, it, this is good. I, I strongly prefer, I think, stouts to IPAs. So for this, two. Yeah, maybe two and a half. Yeah, I'll give it to one and a half movies. It's dry and a little bitter, which isn't a bad thing, but it's not very hoppy, and I don't get like the citrusy notes that I like out of IPAs. So it's not terrible. And at nine percent, it'll uh, get the job done. But yeah, not my favorite IPA. I mean, anything with stone is good. Uh, I mean, the nine percent is aggressive, but all their beers are aggressive. So I, I I'd also go with the two, um, just because depending on how fast you're going through these things. I don't know if you're making it to the end of two movies. Well, if one of them is this movie, you're going to be like doing a lot of like disbelief chugging. So you might only get through one. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah. I believe the technical term is groan chugging. Every yeah. time you groan at the movie, you're just like forced. Somehow you're compelled to drink like, Oh God. Oh, yeah. Well, or anytime, or anytime you say, Oh, come the fuck on. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 I'd also like to add the rule. Anytime you say, "What the fuck is this guy doing here?" Yeah, which will happen a lot because which we're about to cover this is chock full of famous people. It was also directed by Gary Marshall, uh, Pretty Woman, Princess Diaries, One Runaway Bride, The Flamingo Kid, and many more. He's also written and produced a ton of stuff. And he's also the brother of the equally legendary Penny Marshall, who pops up in this movie and looks about as depressed as I must have as I was watching it at 2 a.m. She's like, look, I he's family. It would be nice for me to be in his stupid fucking New Year's movie. So yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, and she gets the awesome line of like, you know, me tooing some poor waitress. Yeah, there's there's just nothing that lands in this movie like not even her presence and delivery can nail us the joke that they give her in this movie this movie is is woeful uh that said it stars as we said a lot of famous people to quote templeton the rat this is smorgasbord of famous people that that is a deep cut a deep cut from charlotte's web that i had to look up smorgasbord Smorgasbord, smorgasbord. Um, yeah, all right. And let's face it. They... Mort, 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 Yeah. Wait, oh, Swedish chef. We're not doing Swedish, so. No. no okay. And let's face it. They all should have had better shit to do. So I'm going to rattle a few off. Michelle Pfeiffer, Zac Efron, Holly Berry, Carrie Elwes, Robert De Niro, Alyssa Milano, who's barely in the movie, but she's in it. Common, also barely in it. Jessica Biel, Hilary Swank, Seth Meyers, Carla Cugino, the aforementioned asshat extraordinaire Bon Jovi. Buffalo, I got your back. Fuck that guy. And many, many more who we might cover as we go through the plot. It's obscene. It's absurd. And again, they should have all had better shit to do. I don't get it. Like, I'm trying to remember back to, like, New Year's 2011 to have a better sense of, like, did everybody just, like not have anything going on that they had a weekend to shoot this or what? <laughs> Here's the thing. And 
you know, this is part of like an anthology of terrible movies. And this one was sort of a success. It, it earned $142 million on a budget of 56 Only 54.5 of that came from the United States and Canada. That said, as it's part of this anthology of terrible movies, it made significantly less than Valentine's Day, which is the same exact premise on a different stupid holiday. And that made $216.5 million on almost an identical budget directed by the same person. Yeah. Forget the signed movie poster. What I really want to see for this movie is the breakdown of where that 54 plus million went. I want to see the salaries for these stars because my assumption is they all viewed this as, hey, it's an easy payday. It's one of these holiday movies. We show up, we do a few weeks of work. We're, we're just doing it in New York. You know, hey, it's, it's an easy payday. I mean, but again, th- there's not a lot of like uh, set pieces or stuff production That's not value. That's true. This movie. There's a whole stage that is very clearly in New York time, or I'm sorry, in Times Square, and it's not fucking cheap to shoot in New York. Like, I swear yeah. to God, some like Satan called in a deal with these folks. Like, hey, you remember how you're like you're sold to be a movie star? Now you got to be in this fucking thing. Fair enough, but still, it's not like they blew anything up. So I want to see where this money went. I want to see who is the highest paid schlob in this. Like, you know, how much well, for the, like, how much should Common make for appearing on a Zoom call? Like, that's the kind of information I want to know. Like, the deal with this thing is, I don't think any one of the stories. So the, this movie is broken up into about five or six main storylines that all sort of come together over the course of New Year's, but. Any one of those is a week-long at best, a week-long shoot. There are, like, two or three locations. In, in like, in one case, there's literally one location. So, yeah, I, I honestly think it's, it's the, it's movie, dom, it's movie star dominoes. Movie star X agreed to be in it because he wanted to work with Gary Marshall. Somebody found out they were going to be in it. Oh, I want to be in it. Somebody found out they were going to be in it. Oh, I want to be in it. I mean, there's examples of this. Like, there's a story about Hilary Swank, like, just wanting to work with Robert De Niro. And in the movie, they play father and daughter, and he's basically in hospice. And the first scene they shoot together, she goes in and she thinks he's being so method because he's he's not making, he's perfectly still. He's not making any sounds. Turns out he was just asleep because he'd been sitting there for six hours. But I think, honestly, that's what it was. Like, Zac Efron only signed on to do the movie because he had a crush on Michelle Pfeiffer. Which, listen, I get it, man. Zac Zac Efron is, like, five or six years younger than us. There's no way at, like, ten he didn't see Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns and was like, oh, fuck, I get to romance Catwoman? Yes, sign me the fuck up. Here's my question. Did anyone look up what Love Actually made? Because I think that's what was going on here. Oh, yeah, no, that's 100% of what this is. And that factors yeah. very heavily into my one sentence. But Well, yeah, and, and like I'm ruining everyone's one sentence and probably a lot of our questions. But, you know, as far as dollar-wise go, what did Love actually cost? And what did that rake in? And basically, were they like, hey, we can reproduce this? <laughs> I just want to put it on the record. Anytime someone tells me that Love actually is their favorite Christmas movie, I instantly find them suspect no that that is that is actually the reverse of last week anytime someone says that's their favorite christmas movie an angel loses its wings so <laughs> here's the thing love actually yes big success 248.5 million 
on a budget smaller than this, they were obviously trying to recreate a template of having a lot of famous people. And in fact, if you watch Valentine's Day, which came first, you watch this, you watch Mother's Day, which is the last one, there's actors who appear in multiple movies. And the original idea was that New Year's Eve would be sort of a pseudo-sequel to Valentine's Day where the same actors were playing the same roles. That ended up not being the case. Now, they do, you know, as I said, they all star a very ridiculous amount of famous people, but they're all basically critically reviled. Valentine's Day was 18%. This is 7%. Mother's Day was 8%. And Mother's Day made far less than even this did. Uh, and they all seem to have no actual purpose. Like, the stories are not at all interesting in any of them. Oh, shit. No, I mean, the purpose is to make money. That's what this is. Yeah. It, it When you watch them, and I've seen, I haven't seen Mother's Day, but I've seen Valentine's Day, it just makes your head hurt. Like, I, I didn't get, even know Mother's Day was a thing until right now. Yeah. No. And, I mean, these are revenue generators. They're trying to get people yeah. to go see it because there's a ton of stars and you base it around a holiday. Exactly. You can, you can release it during that same window where people are trying to find, like, uh, you know, a rom-com that fits and they can, you know, like right now, like, what are we all doing? We have breaks. Like if the theaters were open, we'd go see movies. Would we see this? No. Would we see this because our girlfriends or wives conned us into it? Probably. And that makes money. And here's the thing. This is the big fuck up of this film in particular. New Year's is is the also ran of winter mo- of winter holidays. And anytime you set a movie at New Year's, you are deliberately forced to choose a year which will instantly date the film. You know, 60 years from now, no one's going to give a fuck about this movie the same way that we went back and watched It's a Wonderful Life. But you're um, this immediately turns into a time capsule movie with, oh, yeah, it's, you know, plus what are the themes around New Year's? It's a new beginning, and I guess we drink champagne and the ball drops. It's it's there's, not there's a just real not emotion holiday. there. It's yeah, not, okay, it's, it's a commercial okay, I got two entity points here. I got well, I mean, two so points is Valentine's here. Day. Yeah, so is Valentine's Day is a yeah. commercial entity too, but there's so little emotion associated with New Year's versus Christmas or Valentine's Day or even fucking Fourth of July for Americans. That this just feels like, not only is it a nothing of a movie, it's a nothing of a fucking holiday. Yeah, I got two points here, Captain Cash. I agree with you on point one, that this is literally just the clock rolling over on the year. There's not a huge emotional family angle to work on New Year's. It's just, just kind of emotional event. angle. Like, anything. But I'll disagree with you on, on the comment that, and this is my second point, that this movie is dated because it's the rollover from 2011 to 2012. There's nothing in this movie that's really tied to those years. There's no specific event or current event, uh, theme or anything like that. There's nothing in here. It's just insert generic year and then generic year plus one. This movie is so milk toast and vanilla and that's by design. That's not a mm-hmm. bug. That's a feature. And, uh, yeah, it makes it even more forgettable. It actually won't be dated until we stop treating New Year's with the pageantry and absurdity that it's treated with every year. As long as they're putting on this idiotic show every year, this movie is relevant. Uh, because, I mean, the movie is New Year's. It's excess in all the wrong ways. That's yeah, what it I is. think it, 
I think it's funny. I mean, you only get two celebrities in this thing that actually play themselves. You get Ryan Seacrest, who makes a bad uh, Dick Clark joke. And then we also get shitbag Bloomberg. Yes. <laughs> I'm mostly annoyed that John Bon Jovi was not one of the those two. Well, why would you even get Bon Jovi in your movie if you could not even use his library of hits? He doesn't even sing one of his songs. Good. Fuck Bon Jovi. I can tell I you exactly why, Captain Cash. It's because it would make his love angle with Katherine Heigl even more unbelievable. First of all, oh couldn't they think uh, of a I... better name than Jensen? No. <laughs> Not at all. I knew a, I knew a Jetson in college, and that's all I could think about. Quickly, I have a poll. Who actually has given a shit about New Year's Eve after they turn 22? I don't even make it to midnight, so what's the point? Yeah. Like, I literally have not celebrated. Like, And by celebrate, I mean, like, partied on New Year's Eve since I was 22 and living in Chicago. Since then, I've just been like, all right, it's just, I don't, I don't care. I do not care whatsoever. Okay. Before we get into our one sentences, here's what really ruins this movie and totally dates this movie and basically makes it even more absurd than it already is, Captain Cash. Its conception of New York makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is just swimming through throngs of people in Times Square to find her daughter. This shit doesn't happen. That is a sea of people urinating in their pants. It does not happen. Uh... Oh, I, it's I've it's been, not I've that kind of movie, Square. man. <laughs> I don't care. I've been to Times Square on New Year's Eve. You cannot move. You cannot get yeah. anywhere if you're not there by 2 p.m. in the afternoon. You certainly can't have your first kiss with that ass bag who makes out with the school bicycle. <laughs> that seems aggressively slut shaming, and yeah, I, I, can't, I, I can't support I can't that. Get behind comment. that, oh, but uh, I guys. I can blame this movie for having Abigail Breslin who at 15 flashes the camera it's like the hell is that about guys she's wearing a sports bra it doesn't matter you that's yeah. why you do the over the shoulder shot oh yeah oh yeah like all of Bon Jovi scenes <laughs> I don't think he I don't think he was actually on set with any of the actresses he, he conversed with yes because yeah, when, he is when are we gonna get into latest the... piece of shit now, when are we going to get into the terrible wig conversation of his stand-in? Oh God! Oh, <laughs> oh God! Seriously, you don't see his face and like Hillary Swank's face or Catherine Heigl's face like at any point in time. Every bit of those scenes is shot over one of the other characters' shoulders with somebody's back of their head in the foreground. Well, it's because Bon Jovi's an insuffer- insufferable asshole and nobody wants to be on screen with him and that's just the real and Catherine Heigl also apparently an insufferable asshole but less insufferable than John Bon Jovi that's just the facts how would you describe this film in one sentence we'll start with Chumzilla New Year's Eve is cinematic diarrhea in the form of a blatant cash grab by a bunch of lazy celebrities okay uh McCheese that's this is an actual quote I picked up at the end of the movie it's New Year's Eve. Anything's possible. Like remaking Love Actually <laughs> or Valentine's Day or any other multiple plot themed movie based around a holiday with 25 plus A-list actors. <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah. Like anything that involves you paying $85 to get into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible except you enjoying this movie. Yeah. And sex in the champagne room. That's also true. Yeah. Captain Cash. 
this is the sequel to the American remake of Love Actually. Okay. And it's as bad as that sounds. Yeah. Is that a thing? So, uh, mine is, It's my life. It's now or never. Even though Catherine Heigl's gonna be a bitch forever. I just want to get back together at this really awful record function because it's my life. Fuck you, Bon Jovi. I do. Okay, okay. Quick poll of the pod. Do you get the sense that uh, the Thunderous Wizard kind of has a thing for Bon Jovi and hates himself for it? No, he's a piece of shit. He tried to buy the Buffalo Bills, my beloved Buffalo Bills. They said, no, Bon Jovi, you're a loser and your feathered hair isn't cool anymore. You're not Patrick Swayze. And then he trashed the city of Buffalo on several occasions. He can go straight to hell. Now, see, Captain Cash, what you're missing here is that the Thunderous Wizard has a thing for Catherine Heigl. And then anytime, oh. someone, anytime someone tries to pick her up in a movie, the Thunderous Wizard gets very angry. Not true. That explains why he hates Gerard Butler so much. That yep. don't, you, don't you put that on me. You know I love Butler. <laughs> I'm a huge Butler guy. I own the entire uh, Whatever's Fallen trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> the no, Butlerverse. Dracula you 2000, those, baby. You yeah. have one of those Billy Madison lists with <laughs> people's yeah. names on it who have fallen in love with Catherine Heigl, no. and you're just going to cross them out with lipstick as you murder them. Listen, okay, so if that's no, the case, McCheese, no. I'm going to do everything I can possibly do in my power, that is, to get Oscar Isaac to pursue Catherine Heigl. That might be my only way to rid Listen, myself of you, Oscar Isaac. If you want me to rid you of Oscar Isaac, it's going to take a lot more than him having a crush on... America's not sweetheart Catherine Heigl. Anyways, the real description of this movie is the lives of several couples and singles in New York City intertwine over the course of New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's it. And that was probably the pitch. And then the producers are like, solid gold. Print it. Here's here's $50 million. We'll write it this weekend. Is this not a cocaine-based movie or what? For sure. No. This movie needed more cocaine. (laughs) <laughs> There's clearly not enough cocaine in this movie or fueling it. <laughs> I, I'm going to agree. If if at some point in this film there was just a mountain of cocaine somewhere that the actors were forced to just like hit real quick, this movie would have been more interesting. There's There's zero doubt in my mind that this movie was written in the course of maybe 48 hours tops because one of the things I read about it was that Matthew Broderick, who appears in the movie for approximately 15.6 seconds. His name was like Mr. Bullerton. And they're like, Bullerton. They, it's they, it's yeah. explicitly Bullerton. Bueller. Yeah. And they it's, named it's him that Bullerton. because of Ferris Bueller. So you know that this was just like them throwing dartboards and, oh, so Sarah Jessica Parker shack up with this guy and this character will do this. and Oh, let's connect the strings. This is going to be great. It's crap. But let's get to the plot. So... Again, if you've seen Valentine's Day, you know the formula. We follow several different characters through New Year's Eve. I could care less what any of their names are. I didn't bother to learn them, so I would just refer to them by their act- nah, their just, actual names. That's all we're here for is the <laughs> actors, so the character names don't matter yeah. at all. So we've got Hilary Swank, who's the head of the Times Square Alliance. I'm sure that's a thing. I don't know. But there's a lot of things in this movie that aren't things. Uh, full disclosure, I swear to God, that was Jennifer Garner this entire time. Who's in da, 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 Valentine's Day. Uh, so th- I really, I just thought it was Jennifer Garner. So the, They have the same teeth. The head of the Times Square Alliance. Uh, not, not at all creepy, psychopathic sounding at all. Yeah. 
Done, Chumpzilla. Well done. The head of the Times Square Alliance is simply in charge of not making sure nobody gets stabbed in the crowd or any of that. Just making well, sure. Well, you can't control for getting stabbed in the crowd. Make, Come on. Making sure the ball drops. Okay, we also have Robert De Niro, who's dying. His nurse is Holly Berry. She's heavily involved. We've got Josh Duhamel, who's rushing back to New York City to meet up with a serendipitous encounter. By the way, he's the best man at Joey McIntyre of New Kids Fame's wedding. There's a pregnant couple, Beale and Weekend Update guy, who compete with another pregnant couple to see who can have the first baby of 2012. The most offensive thing to my ability to suspend my disbelief is that Seth Meyers could hook up with Jessica Biel. Now, like, I like Seth Meyers. I think he does a good job. I think he's pretty funny from time to time. But yeah, my uh, disbelief only goes so far. So, true story. In, in the movie, he's worried that his wife is going to have the baby in the apartment. In real life, uh, that's, I guess, what happened. That totally happened to him. Yeah. So... As I said, they're competing with this other pregnant couple, Till Schweiger and uh, Sarah Paulson, right? Yeah, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Yeah. yeah, I think you mean Hugo Stieglitz. <laughs> yeah. It is Hugo Stieglitz. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I think you mean younger German Michael Rooker. That's also fair. Uh, with maybe a bit of Vigo Morrison sprinkled in there. I don't know. A little bit, a little bit. So the hospital is offering up twenty five thousand dollars to the lucky couple who has the first baby of the new year. Guys, hospitals don't do this. Most hospitals are operating in the red because they're really shitty at managing their books. That's just the facts. Also, they're scamming you anyways, so just have your baby at the apartment. (laughs) The the pod does not recommend you have the baby outside of a place. No, yeah. That is not a hospital. Thunderous Wizard's opinions are his own and do not reflect those opinions of the pod. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But a lot of them are really poorly run. That's just that's just a fact of life. They're not offering oh, But you know that CEO is getting paid. Yeah. Uh, there's also Sarah Jessica Parker and Little Miss Sunshine. She wants to have her first kiss, as we mentioned, at midnight among the festering smell of urine in Times Square. Why? I don't know. I don't think there's anything magical about being around that many drunk people who love every shitty pop song that came out in the whatever year is being celebrated. My bigger thing is there's no New Yorker, like no native New Yorker is like, I got to have my first kiss at Times Square. New York is like, fuck that. What are you trying to do? Yeah, no, I would, I would never, ever, ever, ever in my life go there. Uh, Perhaps for some, the smell of stale booze and urine is an aphrodisiac. I'm just saying, I'm not here to kink shame. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like that is very telling. I feel like we're getting a glimpse into Chumpzilla's life here. Yeah, Chumpzilla out here telling on himself just a little bit. <laughs> that's, you know, that's entirely possible. Sometimes he FaceTimes me late at night and he's wearing sparkly glasses with a random year. It's strange, but I, I accept that for what it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, then there's Zac Efron lusting after Michelle Pfeiffer, who is a spinster simply because... Uh, she's smart and uh, career goal oriented. I do want to take a second here to say that I actually enjoyed Zac Efron's character. Straight up, this is the one story that I kind of had a good time with. Oh God, really? I mean, I can't really, 
condone anything in this movie, but I will admit Zach Efron's trying really hard in Michelle Pfeiffer's Michelle Pfeiffer. But I'll take this moment to point out that basically Michelle Pfeiffer's character Ingrid is Mary Thatch from the dark timeline in It's a Wonderful Life. She has uh, no. a career and she's unwed. No, no, no it's horror. Not. The direction went like this. Hey, Michelle Pfeiffer, you remember how you were in Batman Returns um, and you were kind of this trot upon secretary uh, before you got turned into Catwoman? What if you never got turned into Catwoman? Go. Yeah. The big difference is her boss is John Lithgow instead of Christopher Walken. Uh, Which I think we can all agree, Lithgow is the less evil Chris Walken. Yeah, huge, yeah. huge step down See, there. See, John Lithgow played a murderer on television. Christopher Walken actually actively covered up a murder. So. <laughs> the actual cannibal Christopher Walken. And I love Christopher Walken. And I mean, I guess props for getting away with it, but <laughs> you were part Man, of an what? actual murder. He, he didn't do it. He was just there. He was there when he and Robert Wagner... Uh, she fell off the boat. What was her name? Natalie Wood? Rachel Wood? Natalie Wood? Natalie okay. Wood. Either way, there was a murder. There's There was funny things afoot. And if Benoit Blanc could have been there, something would have been unearthed. Put it that way. That's a fair point. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we've got Ashton Kutcher, also in Valentine's Day, stuck in an elevator with the racist girl from Glee, which sounds really fucking miserable. Which one? Uh, the main star, it's more specific. Leah, Leah Michelle, oh, okay. <laughs> who's apparently just not a nice person. So I don't care. I'm going to call you racist. It's just going to happen for the rest of the podcast. I hate Ashton Kutcher's character so much because his whole thing is how much he hates New Year's Eve. And the eventual reveal is that some girl broke my heart on New Year's Eve. It's like. Uh, yeah, but that's, nobody cares about New Year's Eve enough to hate it that much. That's such a that's such a Captain Cash plot point, though. You're the bleeding heart of this pod for sure. <laughs> I, listen, I am, and like even I have my limit. <laughs> okay, so I will give Ashton Kutcher's character some credit. He does deliver the one kernel of actual knowledge in this film, and that's that anybody that can hold their mud knows that New Year's Eve is in fact amateur hour. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I did that's like a that quote he was a comic a, book artist. That's a quote from so. actual alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And and Kutcher nails it. If you think you've got to stay up to midnight getting roasted on just one day of the year, <laughs> let me tell you, sucker, you can do that oh, uh, any night. <laughs> I want to. I want to throw. I call my... it when I record this pod. Yeah. I want to throw out my second poll of the pod. What do you guys think of Aston Kusher? Do you like him? Do you hate him? Listen, uh, as a human, I think he's done a shitload to stop human trafficking. So yeah. maybe he might be the best person in this movie. I'd like to go on the record, McCheese, to say that what I do know of Ashton Kutcher off camera is that he's a genuinely nice guy and a decent human being. And one of the weirdest things that I think I've ever heard about the guy is that he went on a date early in his career and the girl ended up getting murdered a few days later. And he actually like, showed up in court and testified. And, you know, I think that may be what inspired him to become an advocate for, you know, human trafficking and that kind of thing. Because yeah. he was sort of involved well, I mean, in, a, in a murder. From yes. like, from all, As a witness, from like, not, not, uh, you know, not covering it up, Christopher Walken. <clears throat> from everything that, like, 
is out there in the ether. He is like he is a solid human and a philanthropist, and like he really is out there using his stardom to fight for like being better and like fixing wrongs. But like every time I see him, for some reason, I'm like fucking. Oh, God, it's because he was the punk guy. He's uh, got a very punchable face. I don't know. That's kind of part. I've of I've never had an issue with him. He wound up sort of trying to uh, veer into like really serious acting roles and it just never fit like in this he's fine i mean of all the people in this movie he annoys me probably the least there's a lot of people yeah, in this like, movie I, that are unbearable it's a very low-key performance stuff. i don't know if it's the punk stuff or i don't know if it's the um that 70s show but like every time i see his face it's all i can think of and then in the back of my mind i'm like but he's a really good human i'm like yeah but yeah, actually yeah yeah okay. you gotta be stuff. cool with him it's cool one of the big problems uh mccheese is that dude in our freshman dorm looked exactly like him the really annoying guy. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> he looked exact. Like, I don't like want to say his exactly name. Exactly yeah, you know. like him. And maybe it's that. Maybe now that you said it, maybe it's that movie. Maybe it's Dude, Where's My Car that ruins Ashton Kutcher for me. Yes. I can't pin it down where I like. I started, for some reason, unnecessarily hating him. But at the same time, I can't because he's out there trying to end human trafficking, which, like... Of all the things you can set your life towards, that might be the most honorable goal. And, and let's be clear here. Ashton Kutcher's trying to stop actual human trafficking. He's not part of the, the QAnon movement. And I bet a dollar the guy in your dorm's name was Jensen. Uh, you, well, true story. He went on to become a very famous light rocker that uh, married a caterer. So anyway... We watch this series of miserable people all bumblefuck their way through the day, and as viewers, we actively try not to detest each and every one of them. Of course, these stories also intersect. Kutcher is roommates with Efron, which doesn't matter at all. Uh, Swank is the daughter of De Niro. Duomel is chasing the cougar, Sarah Jessica Parker. Bon Jovi, who's, again, just an insufferable ass bag the entire way through. Um, you know, he's trying to get back together with Katherine Heigl's character. Leah Michelle is also one of his backup singers who has her own New Year's moment. How sweet. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Glee's own Jefferson Davis sucks. Uh, and then there are some other tangential and vapid connections going on. So let's just get into our thoughts about this fiasco, because honestly, it's not a plot-driven movie at all. It's just different stories of people, and none of them are good. So... New Year's Eve, the good and the bad and the ugly, and how many beers or maybe bottles of champagne are required to sit through it. We'll start with Captain Cash. Listen, this movie is what happens when you have an idea for six to eight romantic comedies and decide to shoot them all at once. So we talk about pain beers or what the fuck am I watching beers. This is a six beer movie. This movie full-on sucks the entire time. I, I will stump that there is a little bit of relief because there is chemistry between Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer, but that's about it. Like, everything else that happens that you see goes exactly where you expect it to go 100% of the time. And I mean, well, I guess I, to, be com to be completely fair, the Zac Efron-Michelle Pfeiffer, like what do you call it, storyline, goes exactly where you think it's going to. But at least it's sort of fun to watch. 
And I'm going to jump in. I want to go next because I want to build off Captain Cash's. I disagree. I think that this is literally them saying, yeah, I love actually that made money. Do that again. Just pick a different holiday. Go for it. Well, no, they did that. And that was Valentine's Day. And this is the sequel to that. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, hey, what did that one do that? Do that again. Pick a different holiday. Like, yeah, they they saw something that made money and. Instead of, you know, it's one of the like the sequel traps you fall into. Hey, this movie made money. Let's do a sequel because that'll make money. This is just, hey, let's just do a new holiday because that'll make money. And, and I mean, they were right, sort of. Yeah. Not as much, well, but it, it worked. I think the word you're looking for, McCheese, is derivative. This movie is derivative of other movies that are already derivative themselves. So it's like yeah. derivative squared. Yeah, it's going to come into my recommendation, but everything is a copy of a copy of a copy. <laughs> yeah, and this doesn't hide it. And to be fair, it, that's the point. That's literally what they're going for. So it's not like, well, that's lazy outside of the fact that it is lazy, but at least they knew what they were doing. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the only thing it had going for it is it got a shitload of stars, but it gave them nothing to do. So you yes. have the same format. You have six you have six timelines with no real plot or conclusion that all kind of suck. And then you, I mean, you can see what's going to happen from 20 minutes into the movie. Once you're introduced to all the characters, you're like, oh, I know how this is going to end. <laughs> yeah. And you can actually start picking out as you're watching it who, who like Josh Duhamel's Mystery Girl is going to be just simply by process of elimination. That frustrated me so much. At the end, it would have been a, a much better movie if Josh Duhamel was chasing another dude. Oh, if Josh if Josh Durhamel ended up with Timothy Olyphant, and we'd be like, oh my god, time cop scenario. Well, that oh was, my god, yeah, no, they those two can't exist in the same place at the same time. <laughs> the universe ends. That was a plot string from Valentine's Day, where a quarterback who played for I think the Eagles was hiding his uh, relationship for fear of being ostracized from the league. So that had been done in Valentine's Day. Oh, uh, the old bad. Playmaker storyline. Yeah. yeah, never saw that movie. And didn't even know it was a movie until this movie, where they used it in the credits as a joke. <laughs> yeah, Valentine's Day is better than this movie simply because George Lopez is in it. You know I love George Lopez. So you'd be a big fan of Shark Boy and Lava Girl then? Probably. Uh, I, will, I will say... Hold on. I want to get one last point in because I missed it earlier. I will say that as we're talking through this, it does kind of make sense that Bon Jovi ended up with Katherine Heigl. <laughs> yeah. Two miserable fucks spending the rest of their lives together. <laughs> I only wanted to say that because I knew it was going to charge you up. <laughs> She's apparently I'm mostly awful, offended so. about how much Sofia Vergara was after Bon Jovi. Uh, yeah, well, so based yeah. on what, hold on, uh, McCheese. She's got so based, Joe Manganiello at home. That's all I'm trying to say. Not at the time. In 2011, though. does she? No, Think not close. at the time. Yeah. I mean, they're probably dating by but, then. <clears throat> but yeah, so based on what I've just learned from the Thunderous Wizard about uh, George Lopez, and in this movie we get Sofia Vergara, who's treated very poorly. I hope they treated... Oh, yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, like, I hope they treated George Lopez better. So I'm guessing by the time we get to Mother's Day, we're down to Carlos Mencia. <laughs> I didn't see it, so I don't know. I literally didn't. Uh, I don't think there's any real good about this movie. I think maybe it was made with good intentions. Not really. <laughs> Those intentions being money. Money. But ugh, it, it's 
it's so bad and it's honestly yeah. a six beer movie or at least a bottle and a half of champagne so oh yeah, yeah i didn't even get my ranking in yeah it's a solid six for me it took me two separate nights to get through it one hour at a stint and then the I texted you guys in the second night. My 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 dad, Mister McCheese, Mayor McCheese Senior, was sitting there, and about twenty minutes in, he just looks at me. He goes, "What is this?" <laughs> it's barely punishing. a movie. Fucking punishing. So yeah, old Uncle Chumpy here. I'll give it six beers, and I will give this movie one compliment. It has the best dental work in any movie we've done on the pod, hands down. Great teeth. Great teeth in this movie. These are all very. F- very fetching people like i it's a shame they have nothing to do <laughs> i think we a couple of you guys answered this already really with the zach efron stuff but did did any of these intertwining tales grasp you at all since we do know you guys thought the zach efron character was interesting i guess i will say the robert de niro stuff was the only thing that hit me in the slightest and that's just because i'm getting older and i'm a sucker for dad stuff so literally you could do anything with a dad and their kid and i'm going to get sad so it wasn't exactly well done like because he makes himself out to be this like monster most of the time and like I, i can't really tell that he is a monster uh not a monster but you know, career-driven and absent, I guess. But that was the only story for me. Yep. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that myself because you frankly don't get enough details. It's not like a completely realized story. He just says, oh, I've done bad things. And that's it. And he sort of makes um, peace with his daughter, Hillary Swank, but we don't really know what he did, so we're not really sure. He really needs to apologize to her personally for something, or who knows? She doesn't seem to be mad at him. That's the other thing. She doesn't seem to hold a grudge. She comes and sees him after all. Uh, But after watching this and then in quick succession, Wonder Woman 1984, I was very surprised to see Pedro Pascal not say to his son, I've made a lot of mistakes, but you're not one of them. He almost did, but we didn't quite get it. I am not going to spoil that movie at all, but oh my, there's a lot to be said about everything that happens there. (laughs) I just, at no point in the De Niro storyline... Did I have any doubt that he was in that hospital to die and he wanted to see the ball drop because it was New Year's Eve? That's completely fair. I think it's also he says, it's my tradition to watch the ball drop. And the first thing he asks his doctor is, can I go to the roof even though I'm dying? And Carrie always is like, no, motherfucker, you can't go to the roof. You're about to die. Like, I, I gotta say, there were two... Do you, do you even call them cameos at this point? Because literally everyone in this film is famous. Like, if you have a speaking line in this film, you were stunt casted. But Carrie Elvis's presence as the doctor for a single scene where he says, at a maximum, ten lines, was the most surprising to me. The second was fucking uh, Jim Belushi showing up out of oh, nowhere. Yes. Fuck him on principle, but yeah. also and he's also a get... super creep in this movie, Jim Belushi. He's like, he's well, a super know, creep in real life. He says, so they just were like Jim Belushi act like yourself. He said, he implies, did you guys have sex in the elevator? And then Kutcher's like, no dude. And he goes, I'll just check the tape. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. just told him I'm going to watch it. <laughs> 
Um, I, I, can't the... I, I can't see the doctor without thinking of liar, liar. <laughs> um, that's my first point. The second point, the, dude, the only... Dude, no, stop, McCheese, right now. During our pre-pod text, he referred to Carrie Elways as <clears throat> the guy from Saw. I'm sorry, motherfucker. Have you not seen uh, The Princess Bride? Holy no, shit, that's... man. You can't but call we... him the guy from Saw? Jesus no, Christ. He's man. a doctor in Saw, too, though. He's apparently been a doctor seven times or eight the, times. The only thing, well... The only reason that I can't get liar lighter out of my head is because me and my old roommate used to constantly make fun of the scene where he's talking to uh, Jim Carrey's kid. And he's like, he's talking about his baseball glove. And he goes, it will tie a big old rubber band around it. And I cannot ever forget that scene. I don't know why. And yes, I mean, we all understand where he's from and what he's famous for. Um, but moving on to the one thing that I enjoyed is the it's an offshoot of the De Niro where Halle Berry talks to her military husband because it's short. It's actually somewhat true to what those people have to deal with, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the only true-to-life things. It certainly wasn't Ashton Kutcher being able to muscle his way to the stage when his, his newfound love was performing because yeah, there's such things as security. In his pajamas with no pass, he gets within, yeah. like, within a rock's throw of the the front of the stage at New Year's Eve Times Square. You can't get that close to Jensen. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you're Catherine Heigl. Uh, I think this one's really obvious. Are any of you surprised that this flamed out essentially after audiences have already seen Valentine's Day? Like, could this have fooled people into making 200 plus million like Valentine's Day did had that not existed? Maybe, but I'm not surprised having seen both that people are like, no, nah, that movie is trash. <laughs> no, not you can seeing only go that to the well so many times before the well is dry. And, but I mean, listen, this didn't tote like this made three times its, its production costs. So almost. Yeah, but do you know how much they paid to market this thing? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> at least another fifty million. At least another fifty, and then you. So take... it made fifty million for the studio. No, nope. they only make sixty-five no. percent of movie ticket sales. So this movie wound up making probably, and that depends on territory. So this movie made literally nothing. You got all I, these famous well, people for nothing. The only reason the upfront budget is so low is you know all of these superstars are doing this for a back end cut. Probably, I mean, like. They made De Niro sit in, in a hospital bed for six hours one day. He was probably expecting some juice on the back end. Yeah. Well, I'll build on what you said, Captain Cash. Um, <clears throat> I think you look at what this movie did pull in, and you see that it had potential. And to Mary McCheese's point, this wasn't the last draw from the well. There was still something there. But this movie is just so bland and forgettable. There's no oomph behind it. So there was it had no legs. There was no way people walked out of this saying like, "Oh, you got to see this, or you should see it again," like except for you know <clears throat> the Thunder's Wizard's wife punking him. I mean, this movie is a literal mayonnaise sandwich. It is just bland, flavorless crap. Yeah, there'd be the only way this saves itself is if someone in this main timeline dies, and there's actually like some intrigue and storyline and loss and suffering around the rest of this New Year's Eve bullshit. 
Yeah, they needed Joss Whedon to come in here and punch this up with some misogyny and bloodshot showing up in the second act. The 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 reason Love Actually works fairly well is despite the fact that it's a lot of separate stories, is that there's people within the separate stories that know the other people as a basis of more than, oh, I want to date that person or I, I sort of know them. Like There's connections within Love Actually that matter and you build real characters through all of the connections. And this movie is very hollow. It's just, as I said, it's a vapid movie. I, it's empty. I think you're on the cusp of it. It's that Love Actually creates characters who have storylines that you actually care about. By the time that kid gets to like run through the airport and see this girl, you really want that kid to fucking make it. And when Liam Neeson like runs into literal Claudia Schiffer, you're like, holy shit, that's Claudia Schiffer. Oh man. Like you you find like there's real pathos there where here you just don't give a fuck about anyone. Yeah. But but Liam Neeson, you know, he's related to Emma Thompson. So right. she's silently suffering. He's not silently suffering. And you're you're seeing these two characters meet in this point where she's strong for him because his life's sort of in tatters because of you know a tragedy that has occurred to him. You see people in this movie and you meet people in this movie that simply don't matter at all. But they're just they're singular part of, of that story. So it just doesn't work. I think the connection that really made me groan and roll my eyes was when Sarah Jessica Parker calls up her little brother, Zac Efron. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, like that's not a on. real connection. Fine. That's not a real scene. Yeah. You know, it, completely it just, unnecessary. Also, I, she's so, again, 40 years old. Efron. So I, I yeah. listen, I don't know that I agree with that only because almost the exact same thing happens in love. Actually, where Emma Thompson talks to Hugh Grant who's the prime minister and her little brother. But, oh, that, see, that, but that's, that's more, there, there's more to that. Cause in this movie, Zach Efron's just a bro. Yeah. You know? He, he's roommates with Ashton Kutcher. They don't share a scene together. He's the brother of Sarah Jessica Parker. They don't share a scene together at all. Yeah. He he's, talks to both of them on the phone. That's yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. And where the fuck does Ashton Kutcher live in this movie? A goddamn bomb shelter. What the hell? It's an industrial place. apartment. They're yeah. very popular in 2012 New York City. Okay. <laughs> I suppose. So uh, uh, I'll also Exposed point out brick, uh, very, for very the fans of... Uh, yeah, exposed sex, ceilings. Sorry. Uh, for fans of sex and the city, you get several wink at the camera moments with Sarah Jessica Parker where it's basically inferred that her character in this movie is sort of kind of similar to Carrie Bradshaw from the uh, HBO series. No, it's, she's yeah. the opposite of Carrie Bradshaw. I know no, Sex I, in the City. No, she's no. wearing clogs. In her previous, li- in her previous life. Maybe yeah, in no, previous I, life. I, I agree with Chumpsilla here. There's clearly a wink, wink, nod, nod. Oh, look, this is the lady who was in Sex in the City, but now she's a mom. Yeah, this is old Carrie Bradshaw. Those days are behind her now. Thing is, Carrie That's Bradshaw was old in the show, and that was sort of the point. Was like I she didn't was say living in person's life. Uh, all right, all right. I didn't say it worked or was funny. I just said they winked yeah, at okay. the camera. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, last question, uh, and then we're we're gonna close out this first segment of the show in a movie full of loathsome people. Who was the worst? Oh God! It, no, it's Catherine Heigl, hands down. There's not even a contest. 
Okay. She was she's annoying in real life, and she was awful in this movie. All right. I mean that. The only reason the only reason you're smirking at this wizard is because she does slap Bon Jovi twice. So you thoroughly enjoyed that. She got some points for that. She did. <laughs> in my book. I don't know. I kind of like. I will accept that she is a strong contender, but I found everything about Ashton Kutcher's character in this to just be like. Your entire personality is built around how you hate New Year's Eve, and your whole reason for hating New Year's Eve is some girl broke up with you in fucking high school. Again, All right, bud. a very Captain Cash plot point, though. I can, I can, I can yeah. see like that this may have happened to you. And it's I'm pushing my glasses her. up. He clearly states it was in college. Oh, yeah. in college. My bad. Whatever. <laughs> I can't tell if I want to dislike Michelle Pfeiffer's spinster role more or the fact that Josh Durhamel <laughs> went out of his way to fall in love with a horse. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. That's a lot worse than what I said earlier. Oh. <laughs> Why the long face, Sarah? <laughs> okay. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Sarah Jessica Parker, you'll never listen to this podcast, but I apologize. No, you know she might. I'm president of the Sex and the City fan club. (laughs) Well, uh, listen, I'm I'm the leader of the New York or the Times Square Alliance, and trust me, (laughs) you're all wrong. It's clearly Bon Jovi again. That guy can go to hell. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we have the ultimate New Year's Eve trivia challenge. We'll catch you on the other side. Hello and welcome back to the 90th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com and we are about to do our ultimate New Year's Eve trivia challenge which is somewhat about this movie but somewhat just about the fake holiday that it is covering. To buzz in, you must say, the eagle has landed which is what Hilary Swank declares when Kaminsky, the fake Russian played by Hector Elizondo, shows up at the building to repair the broken New Year's Eve ball. I guess my biggest concern is... Joey Pants. Yeah, I did not realize those were two different people. Do we get bonus points for saying it in the Russian accent? The eagle has landed. The eagle. Here's what I will say. Uh, Yes, if you get the question right, I'll give you a bonus point for doing the Russian accent. I will take it. It's one of the most... This is acceptable. One of the most inexplicable decisions in any movie ever is like, hey, uh, you're going to be the guy that repairs the New Year's Eve ball, but you have to be Russian. Why did it matter where he was from? With a Polish last name. (laughs) Listen, here's the thing you have to realize. In Tango and Cash, one of the actors opted to go with a a British accent for no other reason than to make him more memorable. I get why Hector Alonso was like, uh, Kaminsky is, uh, you know, perhaps uh, some kind of Russian or his accent. He's New York. Yeah, this He's is metropolitan. Him, this is what made him more famous. Okay. Yeah. That's he- what did it. Hector Alonso really needed this. <laughs> he was in desperate <laughs> straits. Yeah, this is what landed him the last man standing job. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Okay, number one, this actor, 
or actress, is unofficially Gary Marshall's muse appearing in all of his films. Is it A, Hector, why in God's name am I Russian in this Elizondo? Is it B, Larry, they clearly didn't typecast me here, Miller, because he's a tow truck driver, and if you are familiar with Larry Miller, he would never be a tow truck driver. Is it C, Penny Laverne Marshall, or is it D, Jack, the horny old guy in the RV, McGee? The eagle has landed. Captain Cash. I'm going to choose Penny Marshall and hope for the best. Incorrect. Shit. Okay, so that leaves us with Hector Elizondo, Larry Miller, or Jack McGee, who, by the way, I'm not exaggerating when I call him the horny old guy in the RV, because that is explicitly his role in this movie. <laughs> the eagle has landed. Mayor McCheese. I can see that me and um, Chumpzilla are in a Mexican showdown. I, I will go with D, whatever one you just mentioned. Uh, no, incorrect. It is so. It's not yeah. Jack McGee. No. Yep. So Diegel is landed. <laughs> are you German? <laughs> the yeah. eagle was landed. Uh, oh, uh, that eagle has landed. I, I, I'm the Michael Rooker lookalike guy. Yeah, it's uh, the guy from 10 Things I Hate About You, the tow truck driver. It is not Larry Miller. It is actually Hector Elizondo. <laughs> oh, man. Way to go, though. <laughs> yeah, way to go. Way to go, Joey Pants. Yep. So you guys are wrong. He's also, again, obviously, in Valentine's Day. And uh, he's not Russian in that. So. Good for him. We are at zeros. Number two. This pro athlete appears in one scene as an extra dancing. Is it A, Alan Houston? Is it B, Amari Stoudemire? Is it C, Mark Messier? Is it D, Derek Jeter? Or is it E, another loathsome son of a bitch, A-Rod? The Eagle has, the landed. Eagle has landed. Captain Cash. A-Rod, just because you were angry about it? No. I'll Damn. always be mad about A-Rod. Probably even less the so Eagle if you appear in this. Uh, McCheese. Mr. New York, Derek Jeter. Incorrect. Damn it. Wait. I figured that would have been a bigger draw. The yeah. Thunderous Wizard. What were the two NBA players again? So you have the remaining choices are A. Allen Houston, B. Amari Stoudemire, or C. Mark Messier. I'd go with B. Okay. Um, Allen Houston was in black and white. He was. So <laughs> he was. landed Allen Houston. Incorrect. Sure, Stoudemire's it, got an agent too. It was B. Amari Stoudemire who had. I told you. Uh, I'm Starberry. Whoop, whoop. Had signed a big money contract with the Knicks at some point in this relative time frame. So yeah. he so is I, in this. I just I appreciate... Houston was the only one with an with a you know Hollywood agent, so I figured it was gonna be him. Damn. Yeah. I do appreciate TW shoehorning in Mark Messier. I mean I gotta I mean he's famous New York athletes. You gotta include Mark Messier. So we are yeah, still hockey's at, so uh, big. We're still at zeros. Uh, number three, this film earned five Razzie nominations. Worst picture, worst director, worst actress for Je Sarah Jessica Parker. Cruel, come on. <laughs> Catherine Heigl was in this. Let's go. Worst screenplay and worst screen ensemble. It lost all of them to this Adam Sandler vehicle. Was it A, Grown Ups? Was it B, Just Go With It? Was it C, Jack and Jill? Was it D, That's My Boy? Or was it E, Grown Ups 2? The Eagle the Eagles landed. landed. Uh, that's Captain Cash. Jack and Jill. That is correct. Booyah, that's the only possible option. That is correct. 
Uh, building on that, number four, by the way, Captain Cash is up one to nothing. Number four, the Alliance of Women Film Journalists did give this film an award. It was called The Actress Most in Need of a New Agent. Who do you think took home the prize? Was it A, Hillary Swank? Was it B, Michelle Pfeiffer? Was it C, Katherine Heigl? Was it D, Sarah Jessica Parker? Or was it E, all the actresses in the movie? Yeah, Eagles landed. Chumpzilla. It is out of them. It is all the actresses in the movie. I was really hoping you'd say Sofia Vergara because they just they, they put her in such an awful role. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's included. That's, it's in, offensive. Yeah, she's it's included offensive. in all the group. And yeah, but, group. but specifically, they, they specifically make it almost offensive. Her, no, it is offensive, and you're correct, McCheese. It is hands down the worst role in this film. I mean, yeah. Anytime you have a crush on Bon Jovi, it's offensive, and I don't, and I don't <laughs> think she deserves that. <laughs> I like how that's what you're focusing on, not like the terrible accent or just trying to make her an idiot who has big boobs. I mean, she's a good actress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they literally turn her into a cartoon character. A racially yeah. stereotyped cartoon character. It's, mm. it's awful. Very much so. Uh, so now we're transitioning into essentially New Year's Eve themed questions. Not the movie, but about the actual day itself. It is one-to-one and uh, for Captain Cash and Chumzilla. Mary McCheese, you have zero. You are the Bon Jovi of this trivia challenge. Number five. Yeah, but that's par for me. I'm not yeah. worried about it. Number five. In what year did the first ball drop in Times Square? Was it A, 1904? Was it B, 1907? Was it C, 1920? Or was it D, 1945? The eagle has landed. Captain Cash. Let me have 45. Incorrect. Damn. The eagle has landed? Mayor McCheese. 20. Incorrect. Oh, damn it. You have 50-50 shots, Jumzilla. Can I have the first two answers, please? Uh, yes. Germany. Let's stop. Let's stop making terms of attention to an accent. It, it's almost as bad as this movie. So uh, I'm enjoying the German accent. That's a lie. Uh, all right, Mr. Not Kaminsky, because you're not Russian. Is it's a 1904 or b 1907? Oh, I'm gonna go with b. That is correct. Woo. True story. The first year that. Parties actually took place in Times Square in 1904, the first year the ball dropped, 1907. Number six. Chumpzilla, the first ball drop was around uh, 1992. Yeah, a lot less less eventful, but just as vapid. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good. That was really good. Uh, we're, We're at two for Chumpzilla. The German. We were at one for, for Captain Cash, the <laughs> Russian. And we were at zero for Mayor McCheese, the Bon Jovi. Number six. How many versions of the Times Square New Year's Eve ball have there been to date? Is it A, 20? Is it B, 15? Is it C, 7? Or is it D, 3? The eagle has landed. Mayor McCheese. 15. Incorrect. Damn. Our remaining choices are A twenty, B or A twenty, C seven, or D three. The Mighty Ducks are back. 
The eagle has landed. It is seven. It is seven. You're correct. Ah, oh, somebody was Googling. Nope. Chumpzilla is now at three points to Captain Cash's one and to uh, Bon Jovi's zero. Number seven. There's time to tie this up. Captain Cash. Immigrants from what country introduced the New Year baby to the United States? Is it A, France, B, Italy, C, England, or D, Germany? Come on. Has landed? Come on. Captain Cash. I want to say Germany. That is correct. How do you not chime in? Yeah, dude, you're the German guy. He was not in the cards. Yeah. So that brings us I now. I think you need to understand that the Germans are the ones who bring the, the, baby. the baby. I would like to see the baby. No, I'll tell you what, Fro McCheese, is you got the king baby for like Mardi Gras, and I think that's a French thing. Cajun. So yeah. I was like, okay, it's either the German or the it's French. It's cake in which you find the baby inside. The baby. Yeah. Just, yeah. The baby just remember, the, the uh, New Year baby is essentially a major plot point of Ghostbusters 2 because Vigo the Carpathian needs the baby to be reanimated and brought back into the real world. Much like Kelly Ripa renews her soul for every New Year, she has to consume human life as well. Different ceremony, but similar. Yep, yep. So we're at three Chumpzilla, two Captain Cash, zero Bon Jovi. Number eight, who was the first broadcast host of Times Square's New Year's Eve celebrations? A, Dick Clark, B, Guy Lombardo, C, George Carlin, or D, Regis Philbin? The Eagle has landed. Captain Cash. Guy Lombardo. Correct. It is Guy Lombardo. Shot in the dark. Who hosted wow. CBS's show from uh, some year on <laughs> until his uh, untimely passing. The Dick Clark one didn't start until the 70s. True story. George Carlin did in fact host the Dick Clark special in 1974. And in 1973, Three Dog Night did it. Mama told me not to go. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. So we are at uh, three to three, three to three, tie game with one question to go, and uh, Bon Jovi well, again. To zero, don't you, forget. You, to you, zero. You can't I'm technically still, win. I'm still, Jensen, I'm still here. You're, you're still here. <laughs> you could be the spoiler. Can win Catherine Heigl's heart. Yep. Uh, number nine. Approximately how many glasses of bubbly are consumed on your average New Year's Eve? This is statistics now i don't know when they came up with them but approximately per person or total how many glasses total how many glasses total are consumed on new year's eve is it a 160 million is it b 260 million is it c 360 million is it d 460 million or is it e over 500 million the eagle has landed this... captain cash over 500 million. Incorrect. Dang, I really thought I, yeah, you know. It's just, I've got to ask the question here. Is this worldwide or is this only for the United States? Uh, I, I like that it's like I, kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, but not I, really. Now I don't know. Now you're from Austria. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're ping ponging between. I assume this is worldwide. Between countries. Okay. Assume it's worldwide. Can you, can you just give us the, uh, the rest of the answers, please? Listen, all I'm going to say is 
that it's not over 500 million just yeah, tells me that the world is a bunch of virgins. 160 yeah. million, 260 million, 360 million, or 460 million. Ziego has landed. I'm going to say 360 million. And you have won the yet-to-be-signed New Year's Eve movie poster. Damn it. I would like to thank all my fellow contestants for playing with me. Thank you very much for the good game. Uh, good news for you. are going back and forth literally within the same sentence. I've it is impressive. I've opted not to have Bon Jovi sign the poster because he sucks. And instead, I'm going to get Bruce Springsteen because he's fucking awesome. It's yeah, he's definitely the cooler Mayor version of Bon Jovi. Hey, and just for the record, I've had two of these uh, Stone and Joy buys at this point. And uh, yeah, they're... Uh, they're, uh, you know, making an impact. Here's what I'll tell you. True story, Bon Jovi went to high school with my uncle. If only I could go back in time and beat the shit out of him. Not my uncle, Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure what's your uncle, uncle do to you? <laughs> so, that is the conclusion of our trivia challenge. Chumpzilla has won the yet-to-be-signed New Year's Eve movie poster. Not framed, Sorry. Not sorry. Not, I'm not going to get it framed. But I will you get it what? signed. We're still under someone. lockdown. If I run it out, a vast swipe, you know, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do recommendations, and we have a special bit for that. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to our 90th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. This is our final episode in our Hops and Holiday Flop series, New Year's Eve. And we are on to recommendations. So, gentlemen, uh, there's a sort of new wrinkle this week because it is almost New Year's. So I want you to recommend something. But also, as your New Year's resolution, what movie do we have to do on the pod in the year 2021, in what will be our third season of Hops and Box Office Flops. Uh, Mayor McShees, we'll start with you. All right, yeah, I, I mean, I've talked about it several times, so I'm going to recommend it. Um, we're going to do a pod on Fight Club, because it was not well-received initially, and then became a cult classic, and I I don't know why. I love that movie. I mean, I actually like all the books. I've read a handful of Chuck's books. Um, so we're going to do a pot on that, but my, my second recommendation, um, I'll circle back to the old King days, but this also plays off of, um, what we're going through as a country right now with the pandemic and the vaccines. If you can still find it, uh, go find the end of the whole mess by Stephen King's, uh, nightmares and dreamscapes. It's a small, short run TV clip uh, i think it was on tnt and it it shows like the bad side of good intentions and i'm hoping that is not what is in store for us but at the same time it's an excellent watch um because it's one of the uh it's one of those short stories that they got right for tv awesome uh chumzilla okay uh my recommendation is a movie that's very pod appropriate. It is 1992's Nemesis. It's basically a Terminator slash cyborg ripoff, uh, but it stars two of our pod regulars. We've got Thomas Jane in one of his first 
major feature film uh, appearances. And of course we get Brian James as well. Uh, it's a weird, uh, cyborg slash. It's even got a little Blade Runner thing to it. It, it, it's directed by the guy that did the 1990 straight to video Captain America movie. It's a weird piece of cinema oddity, but it's worth saying you've seen it because it goes on to have four sequels, some of which really aren't connected to the first movie at all. But yeah, it's a, it's pretty standard, like late eighties, early nineties sci-fi schlock. So I would check that out for a movie that's so bad. It's good. As opposed to this movie, new year's Eve, which is just bad. And then for a movie that we have to do on the pod in 2021, um, this is a tough one, but I think we need to do Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> no, I've got a way better one. We can do The Chronicles of Riddick. Okay. <laughs> I saw Spirits Within in I, theaters, I, and I'm like, it's been 20 years, and I'm not ready to go back. I'll say this. I did see that movie on, on TV. Um, it is visually interesting, but it's not a good movie. Um, <clears throat> I was hoping for a better response from you guys, because that seems such a shitbird. But yeah, I think we should definitely do The Chronicles of Riddick if we do like a sci-fi or Vin Diesel month, because we all love that movie in college, and I'd love to go back and watch it again and talk about it. Well, is so that I, a flop? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it lost like... Yeah. 50 million or something like that. Yeah. Basically, uh, basically pitch black was a low budget movie that became sort of a hit. So then pitch like, black oh. was legit good. Yeah. Though. Like, Oh, here's $125 million. And everyone's like, Oh, this sucks. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would be way more excited to watch the Chronicles of Riddick than this pile of shit. Oh yeah. For sure. And we get Carl Urban. Well, then I can finally get taken through the threshold, which I've been waiting for, for years. The threshold. Take us to the threshold. So, yeah, I think we are going to do a sci-fi month. And I was talking with uh, J-Man from Double Turn. And he he thinks we should do, uh, I don't know, one of those Transformers movies with the Knights of the Round Table. Oh, <laughs> I think it's Jesus. last night. And I was like, all right, well, if you come on, we can do it. Cause... <laughs> yeah, he can he can have my spot. I'm not watching another Transformers oh yeah, movie. I might say that's um, painful. So, uh, Captain Cash, what do you got for us? So my New Year's resolution is we are going to do Pacific Rim on the pod because I fucking <laughs> love Robots. that movie. Isn't it I, Atlantic Rim? I, no, that, I, that actually <laughs> is a movie know, yeah. that was produced by whatever that knockoff movie production studio is. But Pacific Rim is legit a, the greatest possible version of giant robots punching giant monsters. I, I love I, that movie. I, I'm I sorry, Captain Cash. Yeah, real steel. Real steel is better than Pacific Rim. It is sure. not. Yeah, it is absolutely not, and it's just regular sized robots punching each other. Rocket. Oh, hold arm. on. Rocket. I think you... <laughs> <laughs> no, you broke up there, Captain Cash. I couldn't hear what you're saying. I, I... Did you say crawl? Because I'm totally down for crawl. I would also do crawl. Okay. Okay. That's that's a whole. Like, listen, we're gonna do fantasy month, and that can be crawl. That can be legend. <laughs> that can be your highness. There's lots of options there is all I'm trying yes, to say. Yes, there are definitely lots of options. But no, Pacific Rim is my, I've got to do it on this pod because I fucking love that movie and I'm happy to watch it whenever and I'd love to talk about it. Um, my what, recommend... I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Captain Cash. I'll just say I've never seen it. And if you make me watch it, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation uh, for this week 
is going to be um, like I know I've, I, I'm pretty sure I've recommended The Last Kingdom on the pod before. Yep. But I've actually started to to read the books, <laughs> and the books themselves are really really good, and they actually it it still follows the same storyline, but it takes a little bit of a a different angle on it, and you get a lot more of the hey yeah I mean it's cool that the Viking invasion thing happened, but they're also you know murdering people and plundering, so they're not really good guys either. So I I really I like the the different takes from the book to the the TV show. So check out the book too. Hey, Captain Cash, I, I'm sorry to circle back to my recommendation, but I don't think I sold it hard enough. Uh, Nemesis has a very, very long shot of Thomas Jane's bare ass. So I'm just saying you that might act like that encourage you to check it out. Ceiling. Wait, how long? <laughs> oh, it's like a good 15 seconds. Oh, that is way more TJ butt than. Well, I that's mean, a lot of that's a lot of man butt. That's a lot. Just, he just like stands up and stares out a window, smoking a cigarette, looking longingly with that searing intensity and oh. bare ass. So it's like the Matrix too. <laughs> For me, that's just like a random Wednesday, though. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Whatever. That's fair. Uh, so my recommendation, recommendation, just something you should watch. And I'm, you know, if you listen to your show, you probably have. It's Bad Boys for Life. Because if anything could wash the taste of this dreck out of my mouth, it was Will Smith and Martin Lawrence coming out of retirement, sans Michael Bay, sort of, because he appears as a bartender, for some sweet nostalgia pie. This movie is a lot of fun. It's a lot better than Bad Boys 2, which I don't remember too fondly, but it's been a long time. But I don't remember liking a Michael Bay movie in the last 20 years, so... I don't think I'm too wrong about that. But Bad Boys I mean, for I'm Life. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I, Good. I mainly don't like the Michael Bay movies, but I really like the Bad Boy movies. <laughs> the Bad Boy movies are fun. I mean, the, the guys have great uh, chemistry. And they, have chari- they have they, charisma. They're charismatic dudes. They're charisma. And, uh, yeah. So Bad Boys for Life. Watch it. I think you'll like it. Uh, the movie we have to do on this pod. Well, it's got to happen. It's, you know, part of the reason this pod was founded was for movies as brilliant and as timeless and as incredible as Big Trouble in Little China, which only grossed a little bit over $11 million on a budget of 25 but it is a cult classic in every sense of the word. It is my favorite movie, or one of them, because it's really tough to identify favorite movies. I think it's unfair. But I love that movie. It's got to happen. It's probably going to be our 100th episode. We're getting pretty close oh, to Oh, worth it, yeah. Big Trouble is the 100th episode for sure. So, I fucking uh, love that Totally. But, but here's my question for you, Thunderous Wizard. Are you mentally prepared to cry in front of all of our moms? Well, I cry a lot, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, he cried at my wedding, so it's yeah, fine. I did, yeah. I did. It's true. It's something you're going to have to record and put online for everyone to listen to because I know you and I know that you love this movie. I don't, it's up. To, it's got to be up there in your top five. Listen, uh, it it definitely is, and I would definitely do Batman versus Superman on the pod, but I don't want Captain Cash to annoy me to the point of I Bon Jovi. I tear that movie so. apart. I, I think movie. Justice League was a bigger flop. 
Oh, that might be true, actually. I mean, Justice League, if if we do superhero movies... Don't ruin Wizard's Thunder with the Big Trouble in Little China by bringing up BVS. Yeah. Ah, he brought it up. I didn't bring up anything. Yeah. I'll say this just on the record, pod listeners. I like Justice League better than BVS. That's because you're a fucking idiot. Now... I mean, I do too. (laughs) And hold hold on. I got a legit question here. Oh, fearless leader, my captain, my... Oh, captain, my captain. Don't don't you dare do that to me after you've just insulted a movie like BVS was saying the theatrical cut of Justice League is better. It was more entertaining. Oh, this is entertaining, all right. I'm a Marvel guy, so you know, like, the level of like entertainment that I'm looking for. It's just that surface level, yeah, glossy yeah. Joss Whedon treatment. That's total, all I'm total for. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Total but, bullshit. You know, no, most so of his lines though. really sing to quote Homelander. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so legit question for you, thunderous wizard and for the pod, what is the criteria for us to do wonder woman 1984? Because it went straight to HBO max. So, how do we gauge its success as a film? It's very difficult yeah. because streaming numbers are always vague and basically what the studio wants to tell you they are. So yeah. According to HBO Max, it's the most viewed or watched thing they've ever released. It did make decent money for a movie that only came out, I mean, it came out during a pandemic. But if we did a superhero month, I feel like it would only be right to to lead off with that and then go to actual legitimate flops, such as Justice League. But within uh, days, it went from like an 85 ranking to like a 60 because well, people are finally catching up. And like, I mean, the I movie... still I, I honestly still haven't finished it. And I watched it with my wife and my sister-in-law. And even my wife was like, so you guys are going to do a pot on this, right? Uh, I'm not going to say that movie's terrible because it's not. But it's, it's not terrible. Say it's, I'm not going to say it's fine. Yeah. But I think it's worth. I think it's worth talking about. It's worth talking about. And is it a massive disappointment? Yes. It, it it's not a there. it's not a Justice League level disappointment because Justice League was obviously a travesty in a lot of ways. But it, it's it it just missed the mark. So, you know, I just don't think we'd get to it in time to matter. Because everyone's already uh, talking about it. But that is all on the table for discussion. Uh, remember, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find Captain Cash when he's not uh, nosing through Michelle Pfeiffer's dumpster at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. You can find Chumpzilla at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. I'm a sandwich. Yep. You can find McCheese at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. And remember, we're starting season three. Post this episode. So if you've got a movie you'd like to recommend, hit us up on social and be sure to like, share, and subscribe. That would be great. Uh, in the end, listeners, uh, we'll see. We'll see in the new year for the premiere of the pods next season uh, and our next series, Hops and Saturday Night Flops. With Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, oh no. God. <laughs>